0: You're listening to Mischief Media. Hey, hey, non-plus listeners. We are excited to introduce a new sponsor this week, Loot Crate.
1: I've heard of them.
0: Of course you have, because Loot Crate is the original fan-powered subscription. They partner with entertaining, gaming, sports, and pop culture brands to deliver monthly themed crates. They've got the broad stuff that's like sort of a mixed bag or you can get more focused stuff like you can pick a Marvel box. They have a Rick and Morty box or you can do all sci-fi or you can do fantasy. Like they've got all sorts of options. We, we've had a subscription in the past and I still have shirts from Loot Crate that yes. are in my regular rotation. My, my uh bubblehead Groot is yeah. a Loot Crate acquisition and they are a great pick for fans of really anything because I, they're run by fans. They unabashedly celebrate their pop culture faves and work directly with creators and licensed partners to make new products that fans will be stoked to see.
1: Yeah. And they also offer local shipping to a ton of different countries. So if you usually can't get stuff like this because you're outside the U S definitely check out loot crate.
0: Yes. If you want to get a little bit of a discount, you'll get 15% off your first purchase on us If you head over to our show notes and click the link for Loot Crate there and use the code NONPLUS for 15% off your first order.
1: That's code nonplust and use the link in the description to get 15% off your Loot Crate.
0: Yes, monthly Geek Box come through. Yeah, I'll drink to that. And one for Mahler? I don't... (laughs) (laughs) Eddie is so well written as a character. I want more. I want a whole series of Eddie Valiant <laughs> detective novels. Like, that's where I'm at at this point in the film.
1: You can make some Eddie Valiant
0: fanfiction. Hey, wait, well, see, if we wrote Eddie Valiant fanfiction, it might get dirtier than we would <laughs> intend. <laughs> To another episode of Nonplussed, a gay romp through the Disney Plus Vault. That over there is my husband, Clancy.
1: And over there is my husband, Josh.
0: And this is Nonplussed, a mischief media podcast. We've got a jam-packed show for you this week. Yeah. You're probably looking at your app thinking that this runtime looks a little long, but there's good reason. We have a very special guest this week. It's RuPaul Drag Race's Nina West. Yeah. <laughs> holy
1: crap so excited the
0: first guest we've ever gotten that's not just like a friend (laughs) well yeah it's like this is it's two degrees of separation jordan helped us do this but it's wild that you know it's a it's a you know it's a famous person anyway point is we got a big show we got a very big show this week but first (laughs) let's do some housekeeping clancy
1: What's new on mischief merch? The MCU line has been expanded with updated Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki merch.
0: Yes, there's a Wilson family seafood restaurant with like uh, like logo with sweatshirts and flip flops and stuff. That's super cute. Yes, um, there's a tr- there's a trigger warning line that has all of Bucky's code words on it. Holy shit, I'm getting that. And you can True. get it as like a hoodie or a shirt or even a tote bag. Yeah, there's Loki for president and TVA swag including tank tops.
1: That's super super rad. You could
0: get a TVA hat or water bottle. <laughs> um and if you use code NONPLUS10 you can get 10% off any of that and any of our stuff, nonplus yeah. stuff over at mischiefmerch.com. Please do. Now how about news this week. Uh
1: news, there's a big one that I just learned and I'm so excited about it. Hocus Pocus 2 will premiere on Disney Plus in fall 2022. Uh, the good news here is that Bed Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy and Jimmy are uh, set to return.
0: They're all coming back.
1: So, so they all
0: tweeted like uh, about it today uh, simultaneously. You know, referencing lines from the. It's, it's that's so, so cool. Um, also, the delayed series Monsters at Work is finally coming this year. This is a TV series that reportedly picks up right where Monsters Inc. leaves off. Yeah. Um, and it's Mike and Sully running the company and it will focus on how the world of monsters is adapting to using laughter as a power source instead of screams and they even did a little teaser trailer with them.
1: Yeah, I watched the trailer. It's super, it's super, super cute. They've got new characters that are new to the show, but so also really some of cool. your
0: old favorites. Oh yeah. Like uh, John Goodman and Billy Crystal are
1: back. They are It's very exciting. And then they got what's her name that does the voice that sounds like this. Well, we
0: haven't covered Monsters Inc., so we wouldn't have really talked about Raza's voice actress yet. But moving on. Oh, I'm sure they all love it when we do voices for an extended period. I thought that was really good. I thought it hurt. Oh, that's Um, fair. Per usual, our research this week comes from Wikipedia, IMDb, and Rotten Tomatoes.
1: And uh, what movie are we going to be doing this week, Josh?
0: Well, this week we're covering 1988's Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but it was suggested by our very special guest. She's a drag queen, an activist, and a performer who rocketed into the spotlight on season 11 of RuPaul's Drag Race, taking home Miss Congeniality. She's raised over $2 million for charities in Ohio with her namesake fund. And she was the, she's the recently announced co-creator and star of Nina's Treehouse, Nina West, welcome to Non Plus. Hi, hello.
2: Uh, hello, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with both of you and to talk Disney and especially one of my all time favorite movies. So, yeah, what an honor, yeah. what, a tr- what a treat, as, 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 as the kids <laughs>
0: say. Uh, the feeling is, uh, as they say, quite mutual. We we have a mutual we have a friend in common through Mischief Management who helped get us together. The lovely Jordan Edwards. Hi, Jordan. Um, Yes. (laughs) Shout out to Jordan, who also designed our fabulous merch. I don't know if you can see the shirt that I'm wearing. I love it. It's really cute. Uh, Tell us about yourself, Nina. We know you're a drag queen. We know you're on Drag Race. You even had a a guest spot on this current season of Drag Mm -hmm. Race. Yeah. the, 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 The Nice Girls Roast, which was exciting to watch. So yeah, top level, tell us about, like, what's your elevator pitch for drag? And then tell us... Uh, what you can about the newly announced Nina's Treehouse. Yeah. Elevator Pitch for Drag. It's tons of
2: fun. You should all try it. Uh, I'm Nina West. So, um, well, I am. a—I am a drag performer from Columbus, Ohio. I still live in Columbus and I am. I was on the 11th season of Drag Race and I've been doing drag for now 20 years this year. And my style is rooted heavily in comedy, camp and all things kind of theatrical, um, mainly around musical theater and yeah. Um, yeah i build production shows based around that and a huge influence <laughs> in my drag is the wonderful world of disney which is Let's no secret to about anyone this. who follows no, me absolutely yeah. not.
0: i think anybody who watched you on drag race anyone who was following your career before because i even saw every now and then uh being friends with jordan on facebook i'd see local drag queen in the west look at this amazing show she did <laughs> i think there was a a wizard of oz number i'm remembering once upon a time oh my
2: gosh where we did this huge closing number as yes. we did it to macklemore's uh can't hold us and it was uh, the wicked witch and uh, all the dancers were dressed as flying monkeys and it was it was just over the top it was so done and it was so great that's <laughs> delightful so yeah absolutely hey.
0: anyone who's paid attention to your career at all can see that influence what do you think it is about I mean, who fra- did we say we're talking about? Who framed Roger Rabbit? Nina suggested for the show today. Who framed Roger Rabbit? We're talking <laughs> I about. T- who Roger well, I, I didn't want to say. I didn't want to say. I thought you're. I didn't want to give it away. <laughs> I thought I was being very covert and <laughs> no, mysterious I, about. Yeah, well, the movie. no, it's, I'm so excited because, like, it really is. Like now that you're talking about it. The inspiration is there and I'd love to hear in your words like what that journey was like and how you yeah how you infuse that into your your art and work.
2: Well, I can tell you so so the movie yeah, so the movie we're talking about today is Who Framed Roger Rabbit and I have a really yes. long history with this film. Um I my, my dad, my parent my dad took me to go see this movie when it came out in the theaters and I saw it during the time my during the time period when my parents were separated. Um yeah, so I was very young and I mean, and, and what year did this come out? 88, I think. Yes, I was was 10 years old when this came out. And so this movie was like right, it was like made for my generation. Uh, It was made for kids like me. It was the year I was born. Yeah, well, whatever.
0: But this movie was really made for... I'm a cradle <laughs> robber, Nina. I don't know if we covered that already. But every now and then on this show, Clancy will be like, oh, I was only in fifth grade for that. And I just have to take a minute.
2: <laughs> well, whatever. I got to enjoy it when it came out. So <laughs> um, um, I just remember the movie being real. I mean, I grew up watching Looney Tunes, uh, which, you know, so this is like kind of like that first major like hybrid classic mashup, I think, of all these worlds. I don't even actually know that we've ever really seen that happen
0: since Who Framed Roger Rabbit? It's kind of Like an animated multiverse, like a cross-franchise animated. The Lego movies maybe, I think, are the closest contemporary parallel when you think about it.
2: So, yeah, it was uh, it was something that just became very I was very fond of it. And I and I fell in love with Jessica Rabbit. And I didn't know why other than the fact that I wanted to be Jessica Rabbit. (laughs) And so, (laughs) um, uh, but, you know, but there were so many different layers and there were so many wonderful moments that as a kid I reacted to. And then I. have grown with this movie I've watched this movie I can't even tell you how many times and so even as an adult I do, I delight in so many different parts of this movie that I never saw as a kid and then I remember the nostalgia of why I loved it initially which is it has so many characters that I grew up on in fun ways interacting with one another Absolutely. and I don't know the stories I mean I love
0: this movie so yeah let's do it It's one of those things (laughs) where I I feel like I had a parallel experience because I have distinct memories and I even wrote it into cover letters early in my career that, you know, when I was asked as a kid what I wanted to be when I grew up, my answer was a cartoon in part because of this movie. I thought you were going to say Eddie Valiant. (laughs) It wouldn't be Eddie Valiant. I mean, hey, uh, minus the alcohol problems and the dead brother, I I, he's. we'll talk about (laughs) it. We fell in love with Eddie Valiant. I think this is the first time I've watched it in a while, like sort of like as a sexually awakened adult. And I was like, Oh, Eddie Valiant is a daddy. Um, <laughs> but we'll get there. We've got notes. It was, it's just like, there's um in some of the extras they go into like the making of and how much craft. I'm surprised, honestly, that Bob Hoskins didn't get an Oscar nomination because he sold it. He was doing high physical comedy and grounded noir detective acting to no one and or <laughs> yeah. puppets given the shot so like it's just yeah I, I was so excited when you brought this to us and i'm stoked to jump in so yeah. shall we
1: let's let's do it let's do it uh so this was released june 22nd 1988 it is a live action comedy mystery directed by robert zemeckis uh he's also done back to the future series for gump the witches it's produced by frank marshall and robert watts and was written by jeffrey price and peter seaman that's fun <laughs> uh, and uh, Canadian animator Richard Williams was hired to supervise the animation sequences for which he won a Special Achievement Academy Award for.
0: Um, it's loosely based on the 1981 novel Who Censored Roger Rabbit by Gary K. Wolf, and stars the late Bob Hoskins from Mermaids and he was Smee in Hook uh, as Eddie Valiant, Christopher Lloyd from Taxi Back to the Future, Anastasia, as Judge Doom, Kathleen Turner, uh, Romancing the Stone, Serial Mom Who Doesn't Know and Love, Kathleen Turner, serial mom, especially <laughs> um, as the speaking voice of Jessica rabbit. And then we had Charles Fleischer who voiced Roger, Benny, greasy and psycho and comedy and vaudeville legends, WK in his last film role as Marvin Acme. And finally, Joanna Cassidy from don't tell mom, the babysitter dead and six feet under as Dolores and Lou Hirsch as baby Herman.
1: Yeah. So the film also features <laughs> VO veterans voicing their original characters. Uh, some who we've talked about on the show before. Yeah. We've got Mel Blanc uh, who plays Bugs, Daffy, Porky, and Tweety. We've got Disney vets. What Watney is
0: that? Allwine voicing Mickey Mouse and That's Tony right. Anselmo doing Donald.
1: We got Mae Quistel reprising her role as Betty Boop.
0: Yep. Rusty Taylor doing Minnie Mouse.
1: Uh, Tony Pope
0: as Goofy and June Foray as Wheezy and Lena. Yeah, amazing cast. I mean, we 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 already gushed about the movie, and we're here to dive in. So, like, let's just get into the plot. 1947 Los Angeles, Toons act in a theatrical cartoon short series as with live-action films. They regularly interact with real people and animals and reside in Toontown. Private detective Eddie Valiant and his brother Teddy once worked closely with Toons on several famous cases, but after Teddy was killed by a Toon, Eddie lapsed into alcoholism, lost his sense of humor, and vowed never to work for Toons again. R.K. Maroon, head of Maroon Studios, is concerned about the recent poor performances of one of his biggest stars, Roger Rabbit and hires Eddie to investigate rumors about Roger's wife Jessica being romantically involved with businessmen and owner of both Acme Corporation and Toontown, Marvin Acme. After Jessica performed at an underground nightclub, a uh, singing done by Amy Irving, Eddie secretly photographs her and Acme playing patty cake in her dressing room, which he shows to Roger, who angrily declares that he and his wife will be happy and flees. Now, that sounds like a lot, but this movie is like really quickly paced. It is. And they've set up this world so expertly, like, smash cut right into Something's Cooking, starring Baby Herman and Roger Rabbit. And as a child, Nina, I don't know if you have a similar experience sitting in that theater. I instantly thought, why haven't I seen these cartoons before? <laughs>
2: I it was that moment like after like there's that break in the cartoon where the giant legs are like stomping on the floor and I was like that's how cartoons are made when I was a kid I was like oh my gosh why can't I like when you said you wanted to be a cartoon I wanted to be Roger Rabbit he was so great so it was like like, precisely that the imagination of how to um, and a kid they show especially when they start off with this animated short at the front end of the film like how first how have i never seen this and then when they step out of it it's like oh my gosh i didn't realize that's how cartoons were made
0: yeah and like i firmly believed that it easily like well into like third or fourth grade mm-hmm. there's, I there's believed no plus 20 and there's one thing clancy pointed out right at the start about this being in 4k I have
1: never seen this in such good quality before. On Disney Plus, it's in 4K. It really, really brings out the... uh, The uh,
0: lines in Mrs. Herman's stockings. I clocked the lines in her stockings for the first time and I was like, okay, Miss Herman. But yeah,
1: also that and like the the film grain that you can see in it. And it just, it really goes to show how much work those animators put in rotoscoping out all of the lines. It's insanely impressive and honestly holds up super well like I was I was quite impressed
0: uh, like uh, Nina you were saying I I think before the call just since pandemic you've watched this multiple times like it's a film that in many ways holds up and at points we'll mention it a bit Clancy was like is that misogynistic about a given thing or (laughs) line or whatever and my feeling always aired on no because it was more a product of sort of the noir genre and it worked especially since the women in this film are integral and kind of flip those tropes when they are given the opportunity to.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think there is, I mean, I think the film does really play into, I think the style that it's aiming for. And I think like, it's that old, like, Oh, I got to solve this crime. Say, and you know, like the very, that like you said, that very noir. Um, I mean, it's, it's probably, I mean, some of it is a little misogynistic, <laughs> I would say,
0: but that's, but it's because that's what noir was, right? Like, and I don't—I feel like they're aware of what they're doing.
2: I definitely think you're right. I think they're definitely aware.
0: Because again, like, even just Jessica's booby trap at the end, like that's she's she's literally weaponizing her femininity to get the upper hand. Yeah, that whole line was an unintentional pun, but you know what? I'll intend it because only cowards <laughs> don't intend their puns. <laughs> My head one more time.
2: Roger, I got stuck your head twenty-three times already. I can take it. Don't worry about. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about the refrigerator. I can give you stuff. Look! Look!
0: Look! Please, Raul. I can do it I swear. do give me another tunes. But come on, Toons. So yeah, he is. Eddie is on this film set. Roger screws up the movie. The director cusses him out, and it's a whole thing. And Eddie Valiant's first line of the whole movie is tunes. Like it's such a noir like trope, just sort of like hardened alcoholic. You made this, this point when we were watching the animated short that's in the extras, the idea that these are shot like single shot TV shows and that the shot is ruined when the stars don't come up, but the birds do and they have to reshoot the whole thing again. Yeah. From a, from a, you know, real person film standpoint, that seems wildly impractical. (laughs) Why? Mm, What sort of, physical environmental laws exist for tunes that allow them to do the things they do. And like, how do that, because like later when Elliot, Eddie gets squashed in the elevator. Yeah. How, how does that happen to a human? Is it because the laws of physics have changed because he's now in toontown? I don't yeah. know. I think,
2: yeah, I do think that they have established <laughs> these rules, right. That exist for, for this universe. And I think one of the things they really doubled down on in the movie, and I, and I don't want to like talk about too much at the top end of the podcast, but one of the things they double down on is the, the fact that they are going to see so many unexpected things and they're going to make it as yes. more yes. magical with every moment. And I think we see the moment first when the refrigerator drops on his head and the birds are flying or he's trying to get, tweet, the, he's Smooth like, and, he keep, and they're like, nobody he keeps hitting his head and he keeps hitting his head. Then you see the magic of, Oh, here are these giant legs and they take lunch and baby Herman's like it, completely not a baby. <laughs> and then you find out, you know, as we go on and we go to our Cameroon's office, we have other surprises. And they're like, yes, yeah, this is how this world really operates. Isn't the magic of Hollywood truly magical? And they, I just think Zemeckis really right, doubled down right. on hacking it full throughout the entire film. Yeah.
0: Because you get, and I think as a child watching it, it didn't quite click for me, but you get a kind of like the Hollywood biz kind of story, almost film trope here. Because as they're as Eddie's leaving Maroon's office and they're panning through the the um, back lot, there's clearly an audition for some sort of cow part, and there's a line of cows reading their sides, and both Clara Bell and Ferdinand are in line, <laughs> and I'm just thinking, damn, as hard as they've worked by 1940, whatever, these bitches still have to audition. <laughs> Hollywood was rough for tunes. Well,
2: you know, it was so great as the uh, the muse. I mean, the, but you're right, like the. Uh, the setting of the tone of like, I think the magic leaning into the magic of Hollywood, even the theming and music, it's like that very da, da, da. like, it's just this very like with the lone saxophone classic Hollywood. And of course it goes into like, right. It's something with the, the, whatever the drama is. And there's, you know, and there's henchmen and there's, it's just all so classic. It's the tropes are just so wonderfully Hollywood. So not only is it like a salute to, Ink and paint, and uh, these classic uh, illustrators and animators and artists, but it's also a salute and a tribute to the crazy world of Hollywood. So, this is made in 1986 or 87, is when they start making it for it to be released in '88. Right. Like they're looking back on a golden age and uh, with different eyes. And
0: mm-hmm. it's kind yeah. of that
2: romanticized version of itself, which I think is really fantastic.
0: I think you touch on something there that's covered a lot in the extensive research we did, by which I mean reading the Wikipedia page. In that, (laughs) um, it it does a thing because Roger Rabbit. This film is in many according to wikipedia sources cited as a celebration of the golden age of animation and the kickoff of the disney renaissance and and the two things were kind of happening cohesively and we start seeing this you know the rebirth of disney animation with you know we get the lion king and we get little mermaid and all of that almost immediately after this and we've also talked about at the same time right before this we covered last year um oliver and company which was also 2d animation and had some potential but Oh, Lordy. I don't know if you've watched that one recently, but it's a rough <laughs> ride. I worry sometimes, Nina, that we are going to spoil people's favorite things, but I hope that our audience remembers that we do this all in good fun <laughs> and ultimately uh, do, in fact, love these films. Um, because we also get a lot... I, I had a lot of questions throughout about kind of like the social politics of humans and tunes, because like just the concept of the Ink and Paint Club, right? This is a bunch of humans in a private club that is password protected and they're being served by and performed to by tunes exclusively. And no tunes can come in. It felt very like gay speakeasy.
2: (laughs) It's definitely a commentary. I think on the separation, I think of whatever's like, you know, and I was maybe speaking to the time, maybe about race,
0: the commodification of entertainment. Yeah, I mean, kind
2: of like that cultural divide, right? So humans can enjoy it, but tunes can't. I mean, there's, I mean, I think there's a lot of different commentaries that can be made and I don't know what the intention was, but of course it does talk about like, I think it does, I think it is making direct reference to like both prohibition and, uh, these, these shows that were, that were probably heavily populated by, by, uh, black performers, you know, and that were, that were just, that were primarily in like white clubs, you know, like I think, I think that is really probably
0: pretty, but then I get to a point where Clancy's just like, girl, it's not that deep. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe it's not, but like watching it in 2021, like this is a question I'm having it. Honestly, it felt like, and maybe this is why it's kind of a queer touchstone because I feel like a lot of gay people really resonate to Jessica Rabbit and even to Dolores. And I think it's because there's a lot in this film about being an other and identifying. Yeah who you feel safe with as an other. I agree.
2: Yeah, 100% agree. While
0: also being honestly a really dirty kids movie. <laughs> Some of the lines and jokes in this film, I like as a, As an adult, I'm like, I laughed at that as a kid and I had no idea why it was funny. Um, (laughs) Gosh, we got off on such a a tangent. We left Maroon's office.
1: Yeah, we're at the club now. I think that's that's good enough. We're at the
0: ink and paint club.
1: I do want to say right before he takes the deal, I think one
2: of the other magical moments that was super special to me was seeing Dumbo fly outside Maroon's office, grabbing (laughs) the peanuts. And, you know, Eddie says, well, I don't work for Peanuts. And, you know, but but whatever, it was still that it was like another one up. It was like, oh, my gosh, Dumbo's in this movie. I mean, for me as a kid, it was like, like, how yeah. do they keep one upping this? And then you go into the Ink and Paint Club and it's two of the most famous animated ducks playing the piano.
0: It's, exactly. you know, it's
2: Donald and Daffy having a head to head.
0: That said, the sound Dumbo makes when those blinds open Terrifies me to this day because it's not the sound you expect him to make. He sounds like a pterodactyl. <laughs> <laughs> kind of you're I'm not gonna drop
2: it. It's just Dumbo. I know who it is. I got him on loan. But
0: then, yeah, we get into the Ink and Paint Club and, and, and all of these scenes, they sort of do the world building with the, with that first transition from the cartoon to the real world. Mm-hmm. But watching as an adult, Donald and Daffy play those pianos and thinking about the puppetry involved and the practical mechanisms involved. This part isn't the animation. The animation is the cartoons being laid on top of it. Have you watched prop culture on Disney plus? Yes, I have. I loved it. The Roger Abbott episode. And they talk about how like later when he's flies out the um, blinds of Maroon's office, Roger does the, the holes were practically cut in those blinds and pulled. And it was all a practical single shot. And then in this featurette in the extras, you see like mechanical arms holding like martinis that people are interacting with. That the animators then had to go over and relayer the cartoons like the penguins on top of that without understanding what Zemeckis was directing in the room at the moment. Hey,
2: look at that. <laughs> Does anybody understand what this duck is saying? <laughs>
1: They shot it practically twice That's with the characters mean. and without and matching the same camera movements, which and there were lines. camera movements. Yeah. And eyelines, lines. Um, and, and, and yeah, it's just, it's just so, it's so technically impressive. Like seeing something like this, where it's just like, wow, this is all the, all of the trust that had to go in that like, Oh, this is going to look good. Trust me. Like this is, this is going to look fine. And, uh, when, like when Donald and Daffy are on, on, on stage, you can see the reflections in the piano and it's reflected exactly the way that it should be. And it sells the whole thing. Like it's, it's just so impressive. It's gorgeous.
0: I, and I had a note here about this scene too. This is where we get our first inclination of Eddie understanding tunes better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Cause when he orders his drink, he orders scotch on the rocks. And then as an afterthought says, and I mean ice, Because the penguin will eventually, (laughs) as we see, brings him a glass of scotch with literal rocks in it. Literal. And also I love that these are the penguins from Mary Poppins.
2: Everything. Everything is so referential. It's so good. Oh, a side note. Poppins is my very favorite. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. I (laughs) broke so many umbrellas of my mother's as a child trying to fly with them off of her (laughs) bag. At least it wasn't off the roof. (laughs) Donald and Daffy are, are doing their thing and we're getting this kind of weird human animated dynamic. We get our introduction to Marvin Acme. Yeah. Vaudeville legends, K doing hand buzzers and invisible inks. And then we get Jessica. And then I think preteen, Queer boys and girls and thems and ladies everywhere had a moment. Mm-hmm. It was confusing. Right? It was like, confusing. As a, you know, 8, 10, 11-year-old, am I attracted to her or do I want to be her? Because one thing I noticed on this viewing, even, like, the shape of her shoes and the heels looks just like those, like, claw heels that Gaga later popularized. And this is 88. I mean,
2: she is so hyper-feminized that it is, I mean, I don't I I didn't think when I was 10 years old, I wanted to be Jessica Rabbit, but I was definitely confused. You know, I didn't know if I didn't like, because here she is, all the men are having such a, like a va va voom reaction in the, in the bar. And it's like, whoa, I don't think I'm supposed to be seeing this as a kid. And this is kind of roughly around the same time as what was that movie? I think uh, cool world. I think it came out like a couple years after
0: this. Yes. With Brad Pitt and Kim Basinger. And there was
2: like, you know, and it was like this very like almost like sexualized drawings of these cartoons and I think it really took what this was into a really different direction. But what I think they did with Jessica was kind of play up, like you said, the uh, the period and the type like she's like a she's like she's a painted colorized version of Betty Boop, a more modern Forties version, right of Betty Boop, this yes. hyper, you know, this lot, this like Lana Turner meets, uh gosh, I don't even, I don't even know, but you know, complete buxom beauty.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's I, it's it's Lana Turner on top of Barbie on top of, and when you think about it, like mm. when you think about even like L.A. Confidential and some of the more contemporary interpretations of noir, even the proportions are so exaggerated, and I think. Some of that confusion Comes from Well she's a cartoon She's not a human Who's allowed To be attracted to her You know Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. It's rich It's exciting That you have this reaction To this kind of film Especially when She she grabs Eddie Valiant's tie And it comes up Just like you would Expect it would Because this woman Knows that she's got This man in her grasp And he is paying Presumably good money To be there for her But then again How much does she know About what's going on Right now Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah it's just This whole number Was a a moment (laughs) sure was. You had plenty money in 1922. Let <laughs> other women make a fool of you, why don't you do right? like some other
1: Nina, did you, did you notice, did you notice that her dress was transparent? Like you can see through it to the background.
2: Actually, wait, I have seen, yeah. I I did, I did notice that on the, uh, on her, but like the leg.
0: Yes. 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 There's like a sheerness to it. And I think this on this viewing was the first time I realized she technically wears two dresses, the performance dress, which has all the sequins and maybe was hand stoned. Um, <laughs> and then the just generic red dress that she's always in else elsewise, Yeah. And I'm seeing real 3D people, real life people behind it. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: It's super, It's super super cool.
0: And then, yeah, so the show gets done and Eddie goes to do the job of snooping on Jessica. <laughs> and Kathleen Turner gives us the best phone sex for patty cake VO I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not tonight, Marvin. I have a headache. What
2: oh, Jessica, you promised. Oh, all right. But this time, take off that hand buzzer. Patty cake. Patty cake. (メ) Patty cake. Patty cake.
0: Mm -hmm. Patty cake. Patty cake. Patty cake. Patty cake. Patty cake. Patty cake. I just would have loved to have been in the booth with Kathleen Turner being Jessica Rabbit. Because you know she just ate it up.
2: This is a moment like where I think celebrity really did bring um, a, a lot to the table. You know how they now it's really common, I think, for major celebrities to do voiceover in animation. Um, but, you know, in this, as, as we see in Roger yes. Rabbit, so many voiceover artists are cast in this. And here is Kathleen Turner, a major movie star cast in one of the lead roles. You know, like that's, yeah. that's that was, I think, a sign of the times were changing.
0: I think the same that could be said also for the casting of um, Judge Doom. Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, because like he was in the middle of the Back to the Future trilogy at the time. Again, it had to have been so much fun working on this. The last note that I had was, oh, because we get Eddie back at his um, office after he takes the photos, delivers them to Marvin Acme. Yep. Roger has his blow up mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. I, I I don't know if it's a tune thing or just a Roger thing, but when Roger has whiskey, he becomes a train whistle and explodes everything around as he's like <laughs> flipping through those, those photos with the patty cake, patty cake, patty cake. The, I, this is another one of those examples of the scene where the animation and the practical effects, we talked about earlier with the blinds. As a child, I was just like, obviously, this is how cartoons react and, in <laughs> real life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dad, don't give me any whiskey.
0: <laughs> I know all this seems pretty painful now, but you'll
2: find someone new. Won't he, Mr. Valiant? Yeah, sure. Good-looking guy like that, <laughs> the Danes will be breaking his door down. <laughs> Danes? What Danes? Doesn't get the only one for me. You'll see. We'll rise up this tiddling piccadillo. We're going
0: to be happy again. You got that? Happy? Come tea, P.I. Well, at least you took it well. <laughs> and then, like, you know, leaving a, a rabbit-shaped hole in the blinds. Uh, this all makes sense. Um, later when I read Harry Potter, ah, yes, a Snape shape hole in the window. Like it's it all. (laughs) The tropes that are here that are practically affected are just the only, like the last note I hear is uh, I had here is that, um, we kind of get the depth of Eddie's depression in a montage. Again, very noir, very classic Hollywood with the, the Reed instruments and this, um, I don't know, Miss Havisham-esque shrine to his brother. (laughs) Is that a fair assessment, do you think? Yeah, it is. Everything's covered in dust, but apparently Goofy was a victim of McCarthyism.
1: Yeah, he was cleared of spy charges. One of the headlines on the papers,
0: (laughs) if you paid attention. And then the photo, I loved this because I feel like it's the title of my memoirs. The photo of... The brothers and Dolores as two flat foots, two flat foots and a floozy go into business. <laughs> <laughs> and, I love it. and that's and I, I think as a kid, I didn't really, really realize because, you know, Dolores, she's the bartender at the bar above the train station. And um, it's never explicit that her and Eddie are an item. And it feels like that's a relationship that grows over the film. But I think the implication is that it's an on again, off again thing. And she's, I want all of her outfits. She's a firecracker. And I think what we're getting here is that she was like their gal Friday Mm -hmm. when Teddy was still around. And this, when I saw that picture was, my first thought was, I know we can't get like sequels to Roger Rabbit. HBO just did this Perry Mason reboot. What if we got a prequel that is effectively two flatfoots and a floozy (laughs) and like the story of their agency up to Teddy's death? I would watch I would live
2: <laughs> I would watch <laughs> Kathleen
0: Turner could still do it You know she could <laughs> <laughs>
2: She I saw on I think I saw on What was it on On Prop Culture Her interview with yes. uh, him And she was like Even like then she There was such a playfulness About her with it I would love to see that again
0: Absolutely I suggested that her legs be longer Because frankly I was rather known for that myself
2: and the bust your business came about in my memory because
0: I kept saying, "Wouldn't it be funny, you know, Bob, if we if we get some really big <gasps> in there? Yeah. We can bounce up, <laughs> um, And he liked the idea. I think she's uh, she's one of those people like B. Arthur who, uh, anytime she's given an opportunity to speak honestly about her work, she gives more than the assignment demands. <laughs> <laughs> To the <laughs> delight of everyone. The next morning, Acme is discovered dead at his factory, and evidence points to Roger being responsible. While investigating, Eddie meets Judge Doom, Toontown's sinister superior court judge, who has created a toxic dip capable of destroying the otherwise indestructible toons. Eddie later runs into Roger's toon co-star, Baby Herman, who believes Roger is innocent, and that Acme's missing will may be the key to his murder. Eddie discovers Roger hiding in his office, who begs to help exonerate him. Eddie reluctantly agrees enlisting his barkeep girlfriend, Dolores to help Jessica approaches Eddie and says Maroon forced her to pose for the photographs. So he could blackmail Acme.
1: So I'm a bit confused on like what a judge does in 41. (laughs) Um,
0: Well, again, I think this is kind of like the, the socio political implications of the tunes um, for not for nothing, Judge Doom feels like Judge Jury and Executioner Doom, yeah. and his jurisdiction is just Toontown. Yeah, he's basically up in Burbank wrecking havoc just because his jurisdiction's right over the hill.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think it's like one of those things where it's it again. They're really leaning into the trope of cartoon, and they're yes. like, how can we really make this guy? extra villainy
0: but he still manages to be grounded and feel like he fits in whatever the mythology of this world is i kept remarking throughout as we were re-watching it like these actors are doing so much heavy lifting to make sure the audience doesn't question a thing
2: i would say like <laughs> the choreography of each scene with anything that's animated and the, like the staging and the camera work is i think a, a, a true feat and it's that if nothing else that's why people should watch this movie is to see how this was accomplished because it's all classic hand-drawn animation and it's i mean it's pretty remarkable
0: but even in the acme warehouse we're at the scene of the crime um and we're still getting that same magical level of interaction the cop that pulls out the portable hall is like hey you ever seen one of these schmack
1: hey chisel get a load of this you seen one of these Hey guys.
2: Didn't you used to be
0: Eddie Valiant? All these guys kind of like dismissing the concept of tunes around a dead man. And, but oh, a tune did it. So button this up and dip him in this chemical thing. And by the way, I'm going to show you how this chemical dip works on this innocent shoe. That's just squeaking here, minding its own business. Wow. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to Fred and George Weasley, this pair of shoes just for the demonstration of my special chemical here that I happen to have in my truck with me. <laughs> the
1: dip. Wow. Yes. Yeah. An innocent shoe that hasn't done anything wrong Everybody, other than just everyone, somebody knocked it out of its box. Like,
0: Wild. and then one thing I didn't notice as a kid that as an adult made me go, Ooh, the high, the, like higher boots that fall out of that box. They're goose stepping.
1: But hey, it wouldn't be a movie that we're covering without boobs or Nazis. <laughs> it's all the period. It's all of the 40s. I mean, it's
2: like. Exactly. It also leans into that propaganda but, filmmaking that Disney was doing, you know, for World War II. And
0: I think that's the hint. Absolutely. This whole scene, sort of, again, setting up the socio political dynamics, civil rights issues for tunes when you really sort of scratch the surface again, because should the judge be at the scene of this murder that is in his jurisdiction? this clearly biased judge who's going to show exactly how he's going to deal with the accused, you know, alleged murderer. Yeah. There's a lot of corruption. Again, I'm getting big Perry Mason vibes. (laughs) Do I look like
2: a stenographer? Shut your yap, Eddie. The man's a judge. That's all right. Lieutenant from the smell of him. I'd say it was the booze talking. No matter the rabbit won't get far. My men will find him weasels
1: yes i find i have a special gift for the work
0: All right. this movie convinced me that there was a lot hidden behind walls at least more than there really is in reality i would go to restaurants at booths with as a child that had like a plug-in and i'd just shave and a haircut on the wall just in case to see <laughs> if there was a cartoon <laughs> living inside like Roger comes to Eddie begging for help because he says he's been framed. Eddie doesn't believe him initially. Yeah. Eddie gets handcuffed to Roger. Bob Hoskins is acting in a room in one shot alone and in one shot with puppets. And everything that he does in this scene is so grounded and so focused. We talked earlier about some of these jokes uh, going right over my head. <laughs> come on, Eddie. Get, oh, click, come on, go, 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 go.
1: But tell me, Eddie, is that a rabbit
0: in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? I laughed at the joke as a child because it was a rabbit in his pocket. And how funny is that? And as an adult, I'm like, that's a boner joke that I laughed at as a kid.
2: Yeah, it was the, 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 the writing was so nuanced again. I mean, like, this, this film was so perfectly done, written so many different ways that it was.
0: Exactly. That joke is immediately followed up by a prostate joke. Yeah, that again, I didn't get as a kid, but it's hysterical (laughs) that now I'm like, now, hang on a minute. Maybe I need to be a little bit more focused on my prostate health. Thank you, Roger Rabbit, for the reminder. (laughs) Knocking on the door 40. It's time to have that conversation with my doctor, the probate or the prostate (laughs) or the prostate. Either way, either way. Um, so. Eddie drops Roger off. Basically, she calls it a, Dolores calls it a rot gut room. It's leftover from Prohibition. Yeah. Where they would, you know, it's a little speakeasy. I love when he's, I mean, there's that
2: moment in the back, takes the nail file and he puts it between his ears. (laughs) And he's like, Can he stay here for a couple of days? Not
0: going to do anything crazy, is
1: he?
2: I just think he's adorable.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. that part. Eddie gets back to his office. Now there's a cut scene here, but we'll talk about what's actually in the movie first. We cut back to Eddie's office, and he's coming out of the bathroom, topless, with just a necktie on. And there's the va 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 voom silhouette of Jessica Rabbit at the door. Yeah, and we get this whole it's it's again a noir trope of the um you know the vixen coming to ask uh, it wasn't me, detective. You got to help. I I was helpless. You must believe, man. Eddie literally gets caught with his pants down. But yeah, this is where we had the note of, oh shit, Daddy Bear Valiant. Okay. <laughs> All right, Bob Hoskins.
1: But yeah, there, there, is an, there is a deleted scene here where essentially on his way back, he gets...
0: Apprehended by Doom and the Weasels. Yeah,
1: by Doom and the Weasels and is taken into Toontown. You don't see what happens in Toontown. He's thrown back out of that tunnel, but goes into Toontown. And he's got like a big bag over his head. And then he takes the bag off and he's got an animated pig head.
0: So like he's been painted and it's this whole moment where this is what judge doom is doing to like put him in his place. And he's now like part tune. And so there's a cartoon pig head, almost like you would see as a costume character in the parks, except you can see Eddie's face through the mouth.
1: Yeah. It it is terrifying actually. (laughs) And I can, I can see why they'd like pulled it out. Because what happens is, is he goes back to his apartment, um, and then gets in the shower, and that's why he was didn't have a oh. shirt on because he was just coming out of the he
0: shower. Use turpentine to wash the pig face. Yeah, off.
1: and like you see, like half of the pig face fall into like the bottom of the tub and then go down the drain, and so it is honestly so. Off-putting. <laughs> um, I love but, that. Off-putting. Uh, again, I can see why they cut it out because it's just—it's not very. Uh, yeah, it's—it's it, it's gross. The eyes were still animated going down the drain, and they make a little like like pop as they go down the drain. Like, <laughs> <whoop>. yes, <laughs> it's, kind of, it,
0: it's awful. But then we get the thing with Jessica and him, and you know, as she's leaving, and sorry,
2: <laughs> goodbye, Eddie. My offer stands firm. Think about
0: it. Well, do you want to tell me what she was doing with her arms around you? Probably looking for a good place to stick a knife. Oh, come on, Eddie. I caught you with your pants down.
2: There's also that great moment when Eddie chases Dolores out of uh, the office and. There's that moment where Jessica's watching from the car and you just see her her eyes kind of yes. watching them. And it's like this really weird foreshadowing to nothing as we find out. But it's like, is she trying to get in the way? Is she trying to like what is it's just one of those great things that happens in like these noir films of who's really the guilty party here? And they and they really I loved that yes. moment
1: so, so much. But it's like she knew exactly what she was doing. She she knew exactly what she was doing there and the way that she was behaving. But it's as
0: she said, she's not bad. She's just drawn that way. Yeah, (laughs) She's just drawn that (laughs) way. way. (laughs) Thanks to his need for performative antics, Roger reveals himself in the bar and Doom and his Toon Weasel henchmen come to discover him. He and Eddie escape with Benny a Toon taxi cab and on the run, Eddie tells Roger that a Toon killed Teddy when they were investigating a bank robbery. As they leave with Dolores, Eddie sees a newsreel detailing the sale of Maroon cartoons to Cloverleaf, a mysterious corporation that has brought the city's trolley network shortly before Acme's murder. Eddie goes to the studio to interrogate Maroon, leaving Roger to guard outside, but Jessica shows up, knocks Roger out, and puts him inside the trunk of Eddie's car. Eddie confronts Maroon, who admits to blackmailing Acme for the safety of the toons when he is killed by an unseen assailant. Eddie spots Jessica fleeing the scene and follows her into Toontown. Once he apprehends her, Jessica reveals that Doom killed Acme and Maroon and that Acme gave her his will for safekeeping, but she discovered that it was blank. She and Eddie are then captured by Doom and the Weasels thanks to some clever use of dip. (laughs) So this is where we get Eddie going in to try to hold Roger back. Like, you're messing everything up. All these drunks in this bar know that you're here. You're a wanted man. What are you doing? And Roger has this whole bit about a laugh being a powerful thing.
2: You don't understand. Those people needed to laugh. Yeah, when they done laughing, they'll call the cops. That guy, Angelo, would rat on you for a nickel. Not Angelo. He'd never turn me in. Why? Because you made him laugh. That's right. A laugh can be a very powerful thing. Why, sometimes in life... It's the only weapon we have. Laughter is
0: the most... And it really struck me. I think as that queer kid who tried to be the class clown, the concept of seeing this movie sort of before realizing who I was and understanding that laughter can be a powerful and unifying and even like a defensive thing just really sort of resonated with me as a, you know, 37-year-old man. In the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) It's very make them laugh. It's very quintessentially queer. Like if they're laughing, they're not punching. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. 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 There's also that degree of control, because if you're the one creating the laughter that people are sending your way, then you're controlling what kind of laughter you're getting. And there's an empowerment in that.
2: I think I think what What Roger does is, is it's an amplification, I think, of what like really what Toontown is about, what toons are about, which is pure unbridled joy, even in their pain, they're like in the slapstick of falling off a cliff, like uh, a Wiley Coyote. You know, I mean, there's there's still something there that's like, that's his repeated behavior. That's what he does. And um, he embraces that. Right. So there's some kind of like, um, I think this outward personification of joy that is expressed in, in, Uh, humor and laughter and uh, allowing yourself to be not only like laugh at yourself, but to laugh with other people and have a communal experience of joy. And I think, and you know, that's what I, I do think the animators who worked on this film and, you know, again, the people who wrote this film and Zemeckis who directed this film all clearly had a love for all styles of this. I mean, there's so many different styles that are thrown into this. And um, yes, but they clearly had a love and a reverence for specifically cartoons and what cartoons probably meant to them as kids growing up and watching bugs, bunny and drag or watching Mickey mouse yes. uh, dr- drive a steamboat. Like what did that mean to these people who, ne- who then, cause that's the generation who worked on this film.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, effectively, I feel like Zemeckis could have been one of those kids on the trolley at the beginning. When you think about like the age difference, if not that far off, Mm-hmm. But we get this foreshadowing from Eddie as Doom is trying to find Roger. I don't know who's Tonya. You, you are Doom.
2: Roger. Roger. Roger, No!
0: that wall like the kool-aid man
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, we effectively get a smash cut to the dip that was so abrupt
1: yeah this is where i think the pacing really kind of uh is great in this because it, it it truly like like an la taxi cab yeah exactly it, it's just uh it's it moves really quickly and it and it keeps you in suspense the entire time which is which is i mean you know with the noir, that's what you want to do yeah yeah
0: and like judge, jury, and executioner, Doom is gonna kill Roger right there in the bar. And again, we get Eddie knowing tunes more than anybody else because he offers Roger that drink, and he does that classic. It's it, rabbit sees it dunk season. It's that. It's that joke from <laughs> Daffy and and uh, and Bugs and Elmer Fudd.
1: I ah, betrayal! like
2: no, I'm trying to cut down. Drink the drink. But I don't want the drink. He doesn't want the drink. He does. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. You do. I don't. I don't don't i do you don't i do you don't listen when i say i do that
0: means i do Ah. this is one of those moments clancy where you're like is that misogynistic when eddie knows what's about to happen after roger drinks the drink and he grabs dolores essentially by the cleavage and just drags her down (laughs) under the bar
1: yeah that was that was a little uh
0: it's a good moment and like they're in a relationship and it's not i don't know it's for her safety it's not done out of like titillation or even abuse it's he's a short man she's a tall woman when we saw him in the street earlier she was towering over him it's honestly probably as high as he could reach (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the boys are on the run now they try to take the paddy wagon but there's no key only to find out that there's a cartoon cab in the back roger's friend benny and as he's sliding into the back, this is where his love letter to jessica falls out of his pocket and eddie puts it in his coat for safekeeping yeah, Him and Roger are on the run, they go to the theater mm-hmm. and that's where we get the goofy reel and where we learn that or Eddie figures out, makes the connection that because Jessica said she was blackmailed yeah. and now Maroon is being sold to Cloverleaf and all of this is kind of tying around Cloverleaf, which is hilarious to me that one of the the sort of like objective villains of this film is Urban Sprawl. When you think about it, <laughs> because of Doom's big speech at the end, is and billboard. Anyway, we'll get there. They get to the theater. He figures it out. That's when they go to Maroon's office and, you know, Roger's nervous. Yeah. Um, Eddie's going to go in and do his private dick thing. Um, And I was devastated when Jessica comes out and clanged Roger on the head because I believe their love was real. (laughs) Like I was sold on the mystery at this point as a kid. I don't, Nina, what was your reaction to this reversal of their relationship? It was, I
2: was confused. I was like, what is happening?
0: <laughs> how,
2: how can, like, where, who is, who, again, who is the guilty party? It was yet another false grab for, I think, a, especially a child. You know, wait a minute, why, how, yeah. what, so who's trying to get Toontown? Who is, what is like the, everyone's intention? And you can't really process that too much as a kid, but as an adult, you're like, you get the joy of, I think seeing it all unfold—the
0: who done it, the, whodunit, the yeah. mystery of it—so Maroon admits to everything. You, Clancy, you were legitimately scared about the tie in the real cut editing machine. Like that's that's some dangerous machinery. Yeah, yeah,
1: people have died that way. What? I mean, for sure, like getting getting your stuff caught in machinery, like that happens all the oh, time. Yeah, okay. does oh yeah. Okay. Oh, I thought you meant like. Sorry. I
0: thought you were about to list off some like famous Hollywood diffs. No, yeah.
1: no, I don't. I don't know anything like that. I would assume that it's happened before. <laughs> it has to. Happen. I mean, no, those olas, those things are like huge pieces of machinery, and they are they are dangerous.
0: <laughs> but again, when you consider that half the movie theater audience was children, and we get to this point in the movie, yeah,
2: yeah, uh, I'm gonna yeah. listen to you spin the cloverleaf scenario story of greed sex and murder and the parts that i don't like i'm gonna edit out you got it all wrong i'm a cartoon maker not a murderer everybody's gonna have a
0: hobby stop
2: it stop it stop it
0: where it's just like oh no am i in the right theater this man's about to die (laughs) i mean he does but it's a gunshot which is somehow less horrific but it's a really long barreled gun show super animated it leans into
2: that those conventions of animation which is so good
0: but why didn't jessica leave when she got roger in the trunk i like i know she says she wanted to try to stop doom but if she really was just trying to get away with roger plot holes is it she's a cartoon it could just be because yeah as much as roger is an entertainer at his core i feel like Jessica is temptation at her core. And what's really great about those two characters is at the end, they really do love each other. One of the best parts of
2: the movie, it's when he gets the gun and the bullets and he's getting ready to go into Toontown. Yes. Um, And it's, um, it's a really classic moment where we hear the voice of Jim Cummings, who's now a Disney legend, but it's like one of his first um, voiceover roles with Disney. Uh, He's bullet number two, I think. I mean, like, he's so prolific. He's Darkwing Duck. He's Winnie the Pooh. He's Tigger. But this was his, like, first foray into, I, I believe, as if I can recall, like, his first kind of entry into Disney, which is, like, for film lovers everywhere and Disney lovers, It's a little bit, bit of trivia. But then we also get to hear um, the voice of Pat Bettram, uh as, as the other bullet who's, like, a voiceover legend in this scene. And the yes. bullets are so cute. You know, we talked the, about him we, on
0: Robin but, Hood because he was the sheriff of Nottingham.
2: I mean, you know, he dusts off the, bo- the the box of the bullets and, you know, and there's just this really great moment that is, it's just, it's Eddie embracing the gun is Eddie, embr- I think, fully embracing tunes again, you know, or like, you know, these bullets, he's got it, you know, and he's, it's the, all, yes. it's a classic. I mean, there's this moment, it's just very classic. And again, the conventions that it's leaning on and relying on that are so old Hollywood conventions that are celebrated, it's really just brilliantly done.
1: They're what? Sam here. Daddy Valiant. Well, you're a sight for sorry. I ain't seen you deny on to five years. Where you been? Drunk.
2: You feeling frisky tonight, fellas? Yeah! yeah. <laughs> Let's go.
0: <laughs> They're off to the races to go figure all of this out and capture or find the will. Before ownership of Toontown reverts to Cloverleaf at midnight. Yeah. And it's just all like it's it's the high noir and high cartoon storytelling of it that really brings us into the final act of the film. And I'm just geeking out over it so much because, like, again, first close watching as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> but the way, of course, that Judge Doom gets the gets one over on them is by pouring that dip out into the road. Yeah. And hurting poor Benny's tire feet.
2: This is where we see droopy dog. Right. And we also get to see, uh, Mickey and bugs on screen together. Right.
0: Yes. Skipped right over that. He, Eddie's going up in the elevator. Droopy is the elevator operator.
2: Yeah. It's, these are like, it's like iconic moments that are, I think make again, make this film a classic.
0: Yeah. And like Mickey enters the frame first when Eddie's falling from the building, but Bugs speaks first. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie, Porky speaks last, but Tinkerbell is seen last. And these things were, like, explicitly contracted for use of these characters together. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Hey, what's up, Doc? Jumping without a parachute? Kind of dangerous, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you could get killed. Huh? You huh? guys got a spare? Uh, Bugs does. Yeah, Yeah, but I don't think you want it. I do, I do. Give it to me. Gee, I better
2: let him have it, Bugs. Okay, Doc. Whatever you say, here's despair. Thank you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, but also, no! can we talk about Tweety Bird looking high as fuck on that?
0: Look, Tweety Bird looks stoned <laughs> out of work. <record. laughs> and it was a design choice on Tweety Bird as a character for a while. With just like the three-quarter closed eyes. Yeah. And I was just convinced. That I, I think I, as an adult, now looking back on it, Sylvester was just kind of like manic depressive. And and Tweety was just stoned all the time. <laughs> the That's where I'm at with it. At the Acme factory, Doom reveals his plot to destroy Toontown with a machine loaded with dip to build a freeway. The only way to get past Toontown since Cloverleaf, which Doom owns, has bought out Los Angeles Pacific Electric Railway. With Roger and Jessica held hostage, Eddie performs a comedic vaudeville act full of pratfalls, causing the weasels to die of laughter. Eddie kicks their leader into the machine's dip vat, endangering Roger and Jessica as he fights Doom, who is revealed to be the very Toon who killed his brother, Teddy. Eddie empties the machine's dip supply onto Doom, and he dissolves the empty machine, crashing through the wall into Toontown, where it is destroyed by a train. The Tunes run in to see doom's remains and Eddie discovers that Roger inadvertently wrote a love letter for Jessica on Marvin Acme's will written in disappearing, reappearing ink. The will bequeaths the (laughs) toontown to its Tunes. Celebrating Eddie happily enters toontown with Dolores alongside Roger, Jessica and the other toons. And now we're to the booby trap that we talked about earlier, where the weasel sticks his hand uh, elbow deep into (laughs) Jessica's cleavage. And comes out with a bear trap on it for his trouble. I find this one. Yes! <laughs> nice booby trap. And I love that as a specific call of a woman weaponizing her feminine, literally weaponizing her femininity. Like they hyper feminize her. Mm-hmm. But again, I think a lot of this is a commentary on other people's expectations of these images and characters.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like it feels period.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Completely.
0: But again, maybe it's too deep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. I you, I you know, I think that's what the joy of the film. Yeah. You're, to, you're totally yeah, right though.
0: Because yeah. Dolores is also the one like bringing Eddie all of the additional like info and crossing the T's and dotting the I's. That's why I'm like, he was, she was his girl Friday. Yeah. I want to see them working together. But also we find out jessica fuck goofy (laughs) that's right oh that's right yeah i i wrote that note down i was just like i got it in all caps (laughs) jessica fuck goofy (laughs) all right goofy now i need to rewatch a goofy movie a little bit differently you know what they say about big feet big shoes it's the big shoes yeah but yeah she's she's she has this line nina that i thought was probably funnier now than it was at the time where she says that she loves Roger more than any woman's ever loved a rabbit, which is now a vibrator brand. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you just ruined the movie <laughs> for me.
2: That's, you ruined it. <laughs> oh I, warned, no. I tried to warn
0: you.
2: I'm sitting here in shot. <laughs> I didn't
0: mean to do it. Uh, you know, now I
2: want you to know I will never think of this movie now. If in that one moment you have changed the entire oh movie God. for me if watch, I watch this again the next time I will be so like sorry.
0: she's talking about a vibrator
2: and I never thought that <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> look what you've done to me because ultimately at the end of the day Roger's gotta fuck like a rabbit right <laughs> wait, is that wrong for me to assume as an adult now watching this movie um, it's not
2: what I was thinking wait. but <laughs> <laughs> Now Roger is his name Laughter is his cane.
0: Come on you dope Untie his rope And watch him go insane <laughs> Eddie Pulling this out And doing again All of this physical comedy Mm-hmm and Bob Hoskins committing to not just the vaudeville of it, but the gravity of the situation. He is literally performing a comedy routine to save the lives of his friends. Mm-hmm. It's wild, and I just love it as a concept. And this he's whole, singing
1: all do, during the entire thing,
0: singing during the whole thing. Why well, yeah, talk singing? But <laughs> talk singing. It, it, Still, it counts. It counts. Yeah. <laughs> it counts. Um, I don't know. There's so much to talk about in the scene, and we're running up on time. What are th- this is the culmination of these worlds smashing together. And even, this is why I think I like that the pig scene is taken out because the added mystery of what is Judge Doom under there, especially when his eyes turn into daggers and it just gets really terrifying. Yeah. Cause at first you're like, oh shit, it's gross that he got rolled over by a steamroller. Oh no, what am I watching? Again, we're nailing noir tropes. We're nailing these cartoon tropes. And even though Jessica sleeps around, Roger is who he is. They are just literally to their almost final moments professing their undying love for each other. And it's just the sweetest scam thing. Yeah. I love it so much. (laughs) She fucked Goofy and he still loves her. (laughs) Judge Doom's big speech before he's revealed to be the, the, the evil cartoon is basically, I'm gonna build freeways. For his freeway? I don't get it. Of course not. You lack vision. But I see a place where people get on and off the freeway. On and off, off and on, all day, all
2: night. Soon, where Toontown once stood, will be a string of
1: gas stations, inexpensive motels, restaurants that serve
0: rapidly prepared food, tire salons, automobile dealerships, and wonderful, wonderful billboards reaching as far as the eye
1: can see.
0: My God, it'll be beautiful. And I think even as a kid, I was like,
1: "That sort of like went over my head." <laughs> totally sure. went over my like, head. Like, yeah, like it. It just it was never something that like, okay, this is what he was trying to do. I just thought he was just trying to like he had to something against the tunes. Yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, the, the tunes, the tunes get a deus ex X as the invisible ink reappears showing Marvin Acme's will and happily ever after. And they walk into the sunset, Eddie and Dolores are together. Roger and Jessica are together. This honestly feels like the end of a longer story. Yeah. And I guess Toontown's towns now officially incorporated. I don't know. I don't know the <laughs> civics behind it.
2: Come on, Roger. Let's go home. I'll bake you a carrot cake
0: they're now going to be a civic government are they going to elect a toon judge who is actually proud to be a toon and has the best interests of the toons <laughs> at heart there's a lot of unanswered questions here
1: i think there is well i mean in toontown when they crash like the two cars crash one of the buildings behind it was a police station. So, I mean, they've got the infrastructure. That's true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nina, this is such a wonderful movie. We can't thank you enough for bringing it to the show. Thanks for having me. You know, one of my favorite, I, I, I want to say, you know, like
2: what, what I love about the impact of Who Framed Roger Rabbit is when you look at like the Judge Doom character who's a, a tune. You see again in, uh, in Wreck-It Ralph with King Candy, how he beca- how he's really from the other game, right? Like you, you get these tropes that like the impact of this film is definitely felt in, in in films that we've all enjoyed well after it. But another thing that another aspect of the towards the end of the movie that I really love are these weasels who are also so representative of all these classic Disney films. I mean, they're like these guys have been in so many different things and here they are making an yes. appearance as Judge Doom's henchman in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which I think one of the voices is Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. Yes. <laughs> yes. But um, but, you know, I think what I love about Roger Rabbit is um, and I'm glad I could bring it to you guys today on Nonplus is that Roger Rabbit is a movie that's purely about joy, imagination and the ability to laugh not only at yourself, but with others. And again, it's it's those it's finding joy in these really, I think, childlike, simple things, you know, in these gimmicks and these pratfalls and these, you know, these moments like the disappearing, reappearing ink all of these things that just make mm-hmm. it so classic, timeless and still so fresh and inventive. I don't, I've never seen a movie like Roger Rabbit. I've never seen anything else ever try to do that. It's kind of like one of those great things that are in the space. It's like um, Fred Rogers and Mr. Rogers, you know, like no one's ever done that. Or when you look at yeah. again, what Disney has done, no one's ever done that. When these people made this movie, no one's ever done that since it is such a special film.
0: There is so much that funneled into that creation that I think there's a collective consciousness of joy around that has then sort of been a wellspring for so much additional creation. I don't care who's doing it. Any drag queen who comes out and does, I had plenty of money, 1922 as Jessica rabbit, she's getting at least a five from me, if not a 10, um, just because thank you for bringing this in front of me and celebrating. I will movie. say, I
2: like, will say just even, because, you know, you've, yeah. you brought up drag and Jessica rabbit and, Uh, You know, and as it relates to this film, um, I will say the best performance I ever saw of Why Don't You Do Right was Erica Andrews, who is Roxy Andrews' drag mother, who's no longer with us. But she's um, she was a she's a legend and she's fantastic. And you can probably find that performance on YouTube. But it's worth celebrating and also commenting on the fact that, like you said, you know, it's a really queer film and it's embraced by it's embraced, I think, for what you very much said. Identity and belonging, and the sense of protecting your own space and what is yours, and claiming that. And um, I think, you know, that we've seen that over the years, queer people have really embraced this. And Roger Rabbit is an outsider, and Jessica is an outsider, even as sexy, like, you know, and she's misunderstood. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. You know, like there's so many things just by her appearance. She's got, she has judgment. And there's just all these layers that, as a viewing audience, that really, should be dissected like you're doing and like you're talking about and then when kids see it you know they get to process it in their own way of well hey i'm like that i don't fit in or whatever you know but it's it's really awesome
0: yeah so there
2: <laughs> that's my parting Just shot like
0: jessica's dress on that stage there are layers to the transparency and there's so much you can take <laughs> yes oh <laughs> i had so much fun doing this thank, thank you very much again, for having again thank you so much for bringing this film to us tell people where they can find you online. Yeah, you can find me online at Nina West. Uh, it's pretty much on every
2: social platform or you know, I think that's every social platform.
0: <laughs> your shoulders alone inspire me. Uh, also a broad-shouldered individual to put on a dress from time to time. If you've got it, dress it up. That's what I say. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> thank you so much yeah, Nina West you. for your time and for Roger Rabbit. We'll see you on the interwebs. We'll see you on the TVs. And uh, yeah, keep making magic, love. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, goodness, Nina West. Thank you so much for being
1: here. That was
0: so delightful. I'm overwhelmed. She gave so much time. We're yes. alway- I always hesitate about scheduling just an hour. Because I know we're going to talk for longer because that's who we are as people. Oh, for sure. Um, but I, I'm always terrified of suggesting a 90 minute record because I feel like that's too much time and it'll scare people away. Yeah. But of course, Nina was a delight. She lives up to her reputation of just being the nicest person ever. Yeah. So delightful, thoughtful and funny. And since we recorded this, she announced a fucking pride line with Lane Brandt. Holy shit. Yeah. Fuck Yeah. All right, let's do the wrap up on Roger Rabbit. Uh, How much did it cost to make? Okay.
1: Officially it's 50.6 million. Okay. Uh, it made 329.8 million. So it was (laughs)
0: a financial and critical success on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a 97 from critics and 84% from viewers. We're not going to make fun of any of these people this week because we prefer to let the content with Nina really breathe, but also like anybody who didn't like this movie sit and spin. That's where I'm going with this. Pretty much. Yeah. Like it's a delightful movie as much as we poke fun at holes. And, uh, again, apologies, Nina for ruining the thing about vibrators. <laughs> um I love this one. Yeah, um, I'll still point out the ridiculous stuff to myself and to anybody else I watch it with.
1: Yeah. The Academy Awards in 1989. Yeah. It won uh the Oscar for Best Film Editing, Best Effects for Sound Effects Editing, and Best Effects for Visual Effects. Yeah.
0: Technical Marvel.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was also nominated for cinematography, best art direction, set direction, and best sound. It, so. Again,
0: it baffles me that Bob Hoskins was not at least nominated. For best actor or get, given a special award, yeah. he did all of that. He did, you know, like by him, entire scenes where he's effectively just acting to air. It's uh. in
1: terms of trivia. There's, I mean, we we talked a lot, but um, oh I, yeah. I did think it was really interesting that Tim Curry originally auditioned for the role for Judge. Can Stern. you
0: imagine?
1: Uh, Robert Zemeckis, Steven Spielberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and Michael Eisner found his performance quite terrifying. This so. is what I
0: mean. Can you imagine? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen Legend. Have you ever seen Legend? No. It's like I think it was Tom Cruise's first movie. Tim Curry literally <laughs> plays the devil in it. Oh, geez, And he's fucking terrifying. Oof. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can see where that, that tracks. It tracks. Ooh. It does. It tracks. It tracks. I think that's it.
1: I think that is it.
0: This was such a fun show. It was. I love this movie. Again, this is a childhood favorite of mine. Mm -hmm. Nina and I saw it in theaters. You were gestating. Gross. (laughs) But yes, it. uh... What the term is? (laughs) I
1: know. Uh, it came out June 22nd, 1988. Yeah. Uh, I, I was brought into this world in September of that yeah, year. Yeah, Toy
0: was entering her third <laughs> trimester.
1: Uh, what I do want to shout out, though, is our Patreon.
0: Yes, patreon.com slash making mischief. Donate there, become a backer there, become a patron there, and get bonus content starting from the first level where you can get co- extra content from all of the shows on Mischief yeah. Media, uh, not just us few extra levels in there that also give you access to the Discord server and more get all those details at patreon.com slash making mischief
1: yeah, and if they uh, wanted to find me on social media, Josh, where would they do that?
0: They could do that on Twitter and Instagram at C L N C Y. And where could they find me, Clancy?
1: Well, they can find you on Twitter and Instagram as well at Josh Watchin' TV without the G.
0: Yes, and you can find the show at NonplusPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can email us suggestions for movies to watch or really whatever at suggestions at nonpluspod.com. And please rate, review, and follow on your podcast platform of choice. Just a reminder, we're on Amazon Prime and Audible now. We have, I think, but one review on that platform. So please uh, boot it up, load it up. Whatever you got to do, we'll love you forever because it gets us in the algorithm. All right. Is there anything I that was, I mean, really, we left it all out on the table with this Miss was Nina so, West.
1: so delightful. And again, thank you, Nina so much for joining Can, us. This was genuinely such, such a, cool she's experience. got all
0: this other shit going on right now with the lane Brandt and her show that she's yeah. developing. And now she's going to be on Nicole Byers podcast. And she deigned to slop through the dregs with us to express <laughs> her love for Disney and who framed Roger rabbit. And It could not have been time better spent Thank you so much, Nina
1: Yeah, thank you
0: In short, it was a good time
1: Yeah, it was definitely a good time
0: (laughs) Anywho, that over there is my husband Clancy
1: And over there is my husband Josh And we are
0: non-plussed cake, patty cake Patty cake
1: Oh, patty cake Patty cake Oh, patty cake
0: I was excited when I moved to L.A. and got to drive through this tunnel that went into Toontown, even though I know that the other side did not go out into Toontown. Oh, right. We did. (laughs) We did. Is it like Griffith Park or is it up there by the observatory? Yeah. I was just like, oh, my God, it's the Toontown tunnel. Clancy, it's the Toontown tunnel. (laughs) And then she's just hiking on the other side, which is not exciting. exciting. No. (laughs) And remember... To get 15% off your first purchase at Loot Crate, use the link in the show notes with the code NONPLUST.
1: Again, use the code NONPLUST with the link in the show notes for 15% off your first purchase at Loot Crate.
0: Bazooey!